Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk, producer and host of the Public Relations Review podcast. When I conceived this program, my idea was to provide public relations practitioners with a wide variety of solid, useful information and guidance from public relations professionals across America. And we are doing that. I will continue to cover important topics such as crisis communications and artificial intelligence and other such important topics. But I will also address other issues such as diversity in public relations, marketing to women, public relations trends, various data concerns, and much more. From time to time, I will also invite vendors of public relations products on to help you better understand how these products can improve your efficiency and your effectiveness. You will learn a lot from our podcast, so thank you for listening, and please inform your colleagues about the Public Relations Review podcast and continue listening. Thank you so very much. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast, and welcome to our listeners across America and around the world. Now, after 16 years of creating and leading numerous strategic public relations, communications, and marketing initiatives, Courtney Malengo founded Spark and Buzz Communications in Gaithersburg, Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., Now, as founder and chief communicator, she is passionate about helping others tell their story and harness the power of sincere, strategic, and compelling communications to drive results. Courtney has garnered countless media placements over her career, provided hands-on media training and coaching. She has counseled executive teams in times of crisis, including employee misconduct, natural disasters, and even a shooting. She has experience in creating brands from scratch, as well as designing the brand architecture for brands as they evolve and grow. Now, as an APR, Courtney understands the multifaceted layers of organizational communication and simplifying the complex with clarity and brevity. She received her bachelor's in writing from Eastern University in St. David's, Pennsylvania, and her master's in communication from Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington. Now, with all her experience in one area, there's one area where she also excels, and that is one we also hear very little about, and that is public relations surrounding senior citizens. So first of all, Courtney Malengo, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Peter, for having me. It's a pleasure to join you today. Well, let's start off by what, what can you tell us that we really should know about the, your involvement in, with senior citizens over the years? Well, I think the the first thing is really, you know, the senior living industry is rapidly changing. And I think there's been a lot of positive traction and growth toward understanding more marketing to seniors or elders, mature, uh, mature individuals and what their needs and desires are. Uh, I spent prior to launching Spark and Buzz, I spent a decade in senior living. Uh, working for a nonprofit that operated a variety of continuing care retirement communities around the metro D.C. area, um, as well as home care and home health agencies. And when I first uh, joined the organization, one of the things I really identified with 
was really helping to be an advocate for seniors and challenging some of the stereotypes that are often out there. Um, I personally grew up with a very close relationship with my grandfather. You know, growing up, he was really kind of my best friend. And so uh, while I I didn't necessarily set out to have a career in senior living, um, the opportunity came about. And I found that I was really able to use a lot of my talents and skill sets to help advocate for, uh, you know, a population and an industry that that often can be marginalized. And so that's really what my past, you know, decade has been about. It's really challenging those stereotypes and I think trying to disrupt uh, the typical conversation around seniors and aging. You know, well, over the years, one of the things we, we constantly see is how uh, – uh, advertisers or companies or after let's use the term millennials for whatever reason they believe they have to go after them. But what appears to be missing in that thinking is that you have seniors uh, are the ones who have perhaps more money to, uh, to spend with higher incomes and they are not in their plans for marketing a lot of times. That is absolutely correct. So I just looked at a statistic today um, from AARP that showed that people 50 and older generate $7.6 trillion, excuse me, trillion dollars in annual economic activity. That's Mm -hmm. huge. Um, And I I think you're right. You know, unfortunately, uh, millennials and boomers are being pitted against each other um, (laughs) for a variety for a variety of reasons. I'm sure you've seen the OK Boomer memes and a lot of things that have been happening lately with that. But I think realistically speaking, to your point, you know, the money and the dollars are there, um, you know, seniors, especially as they're getting into retirement. So, you know, the what they like to call the silver wave, all these baby boomers, you know, who are flooding the market. Um, really, the what that looks like is that there are 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 daily and nearly seven boomers turn 65 years old each minute, right? So you have a huge influx um, into the marketplace. And I think now is an opportunity for us to, you know, I think cater and adjust some of the marketing expectations. Our, our society and our culture uh, has always been obsessed with youth. I don't think that's anything new. And millennials certainly aren't going to change that. But I think that there's a great opportunity. And for smart brands and smart companies, they're going to recognize that and begin to capitalize on that. Well, since you've been involved with, uh, with, with brands, how do you go about educating those brands that you deal with that they need to pay attention to the senior market? Well, one, I think it's some of the statistics that we just talked about. Um, but the second piece really... I think is around telling an authentic and compelling story. So not only telling an authentic and compelling story for the seniors themselves, but the brand that you are working with or or representing. I think that there's a lot of times, um, you know, we focus on stereotypes or you even see it in some of the different marketing collaterals that are put out or some of the advertisements with some of the stock photos they use. You know, a lot of times you'll see these very um, cheesy looking silver haired individuals with, you know, bright white dentures and just really over the top sort of um, scary looking stock photography that that's not really representative of a, of a lot of seniors. You know, number one, it, it often lacked uh, diversity 
but you know number two it just they were these sort of eerie looking photos where you know you'd have these groups of seniors just staring at you and you know every uh senior living associated organization used the exact same stuff Mm -hmm. you know so any any of the retirement communities that i was working for all of their competitors everyone was using the same thing you know there was hardly any stock photos to pick from and so um, you know, I think part of it is about changing that narrative, right? Again, like I said, changing the narrative for the seniors themselves, but then changing the narrative for the the company or the brand that you're working for. And that's really what I like to hone in and focus in on. You know, one of the things that you said, trying to get them to change, change the culture, they being those companies, part of the problem that the companies run into sometimes is who is at the table when decisions are being made. So if you have folks who are not seniors, uh, maybe millennials, they don't have a tendency to think in those terms as seniors being a viable market. So have you run into any circumstances like that? I think that uh, yes and no. So, I mean, I think that I've been fortunate in in my experience in senior living. You know, I was surrounded by other individuals, millennial or otherwise, who saw the value in seniors and not just from an ad dollar or a revenue kind of a perspective, but really from, you know, this is a population that we should quite frankly revere and adore. I mean, there's so much that we can learn um, and intergenerational relationships are hugely beneficial. And there's lots of you know, scientific studies that back that up. So I think I've been fortunate that, you know, I've not been around a lot of people who, um, we're seeking to just see seniors as a product opportunity or, you know, marginalize uh, their worth. I will say that I think millennial or otherwise, um, you know, a lot of times these two generations are, are pitted against each other. I do think that there's more similarity than there are differences. And that might sound strange, you know, on the surface. Um, and I might get myself into trouble, but I'm technically uh, in the millennial category, one of the oldest, uh, the very oldest millennial, if you go according to to Pew Research. And I think, you know, a, a lot of it, though, is there all all people, all individuals have similar desires, right? A desire for a great life of value, of meaning, of worth and contributing to society. And there's a lot of shared goals and values that we have. Um, I also think that both, you know, millennials and boomers enjoy experiences and that you're seeing more dollars spent, you know, on the experience side. Um, And I I think that having the right people around the table to advocate is crucial because like you said, if you don't have any representation um, from the group that you're trying to reach, that's, that's going to make your job a lot harder. Um, And senior living, fortunately, with one of my previous, you know, employers, we had several individuals who were seniors themselves, um, you know, around the table. And so I think in a lot of ways, that was really great, because that helped us, you know, it, it, it you begin to make the conversation personal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. whether that individual would ever consider moving into a retirement community or not is sort of a, a different sidebar, but beginning to understand, you know, their preferences, their interests, and seeing them as individuals, not necessarily grouping them into one lump category is really helpful when you are making those decisions around the table. Well, you know, one of the other things that has also arisen as a result of, of uh, you know, as I, I put it, maybe focusing on millennials and so forth and perhaps cost savings is that particularly seniors are in technical or the higher end industries. These folks have a lot of information, experience, know-how. And if they leave too soon, 
then perhaps a lot of information walks out of the door with them. So you can't just hire people with that kind of knowledge just off the street, particularly in maybe in a particular industry or in your particular building. So that's another area that, that people need to think twice about is how much knowledge, experience, and, man, and know-how are they taking with them if they are not with us. Absolutely. I, I think, as you pointed out, another growing, well, not growing, but a huge problem, I think, currently in our society is age discrimination. And you have more and more seniors who really want to be on a second, third sort of retirement gig and are struggling to be employed. And then there's those who you know, don't necessarily have the luxury of saying, I'm ready to retire and, and stop working, right? So as people are living longer and living better lives, comes a longer work life oftentimes with it. And so I do think there's a lot of challenges uh, around that. And I, I think what's unfortunate is, you know, again, for whether you're talking millennials or any of the other younger generations, um, it's easy to sort of just look at, well, oh, you know, they're older, they're not tech savvy. Um, I think the reality is, is that's changing. And a lot of boomers are pretty tech savvy. So, you know, yeah, is the 90 year old grandmother probably not very tech savvy? That's, mm -hmm. I think, an accurate yeah. statement for some anyway. Um, but, you know, you you have 89, 90 year old, you know, grandmothers on Instagram who've become, you know, influencers. So I, I think there's always outliers to that. But you are seeing more and more boomers become much more active on social media, understanding tech in a lot of different ways. Uh, and I think valuing tech differently than perhaps some of their older counterparts are. So while they didn't grow up with technology, like some of the younger generations have, you know, their kids and their grandkids, I think are really a part of the reason why they're adopting technology at a faster rate. So mm -hmm. from my perspective, yes, some of the older generations, that's not going to be where they sit. But when you're really talking about baby boomers, I mean, I, I think the last time I checked, um, I could be slightly <laughs> wrong on this, but I think the last time I checked, they're one of the, the largest growing audiences on Facebook. Um, and I and I know, you know, younger groups have kind of started to veer away from, from Facebook and gone on to other platforms. But I think that that says something, and I think that says something about kind of the, the wave that's occurring and changing. As you think back over some of the um, clients that you've had or circumstances you've been involved in and, and, and with seniors, do you have a particularly satisfying case, if you will, that you were called in to solve a particular problem for whatever reason you did it and uh, it maybe came up that ex and it exceeded your expectations. Do you have any sort of uh, stir like that that you might be able to uh, give to us? Sure. Uh, I think, well, there's a lot of them that are coming to mind. But, you know, I do think one of the ones that I personally found a lot of enjoyment and value in was um, working for one of my clients who was doing a annual holiday radio campaign. And we were utilizing um, some of the seniors from their organization to really do some of the radio spots um, that we would be airing that holiday season. And so part of my role was to suss out kind of who would be a great fit for that, who has a great story, uh, you know, interview them and then really condense their story down into, you know, a 30 second radio spot. 
what I found is obviously it's very hard to condense uh, someone's life, right? That's, that's almost impossible to condense that down into 30 seconds. But in talking with so many individuals, you know, about their story, about in this particular case, why they either chose to move into a retirement community or why they chose to utilize uh, this client's short-term rehabilitation services, you know, were very profound and impactful stories. Um, you know, there was one woman in particular, I remember, who uh, she had fallen and hurt in herself. She had to have short-term rehabilitation, and she was a singer, and she often performed uh, a lot around the D.C. area. And so she had come to one of my client's facilities for short-term rehab, and I had the opportunity to interview her about that. And, you know, she really, really put it like her her ability to come and experience that rehab and get better and get back to doing what she loved, what she loved doing was singing. So we really helped that songbird sing again. And I think uh, it's stories like that, that, that mean a lot, not only to me personally, but I know meant a lot to my client and the other people that heard them because they were genuine, they were real. And they were, they weren't just something that we made up in a marketing department or scripted, you know, out of thin air. They were actual stories from real people who had, you know, lived and experienced these circumstances. Well, seniors come in all sort of shapes, fashions, and forms, and I'm just wondering, I mean, we talk about, you know, obviously maybe some of them being dismissed from companies for uh, perhaps because of the perception of them being too old, but at the same time, uh, a lot of seniors are very, very vigorous people, and some of them might decide, hey, wait a minute, uh, with all the information and knowledge I have, I might want to go out and start my own firm, my consulting firm, have you run across anything along those lines at all? I think there's a huge boom, actually, of that happening. You know, for people who have spent a long time in corporate America um, and they maybe don't want to work a 60-hour work week anymore, but they clearly have the knowledge and the expertise and the value add there, I think starting their own consulting business or small business is is the perfect fit. I mean, I think you see more and more uh, veterans doing that as well. Um, and there's sort of an interesting intersect there between, you know, veterans and seniors, um, caregivers as well. But I definitely think more and more of that is happening, that that's not uncommon. I mean, it's in a lot of ways for me, it's also why you see, um, you know, there's a lot of women who are starting their own business because they just want more freedom when they have mm -hmm. kids or different things that happens. And so I think life circumstances sometimes dictate those changes. But I think that that's a, a booming opportunity, pun intended, uh, you know, for seniors to be able to still be involved in a way that that brings them joy. Yeah, you mentioned involvement. Uh, an another thing that, that came to mind, of course, is that uh, with all the knowledge that they have, is maybe they don't want to work and by their own choice, but you know perhaps they'd like to be on some boards of directors because now they can bring this experience in a different sort of way rather than being an active participant on, as say, on the job, so to speak, but in terms of policy decisions uh, that they can help uh, organizations make. Have you run across that sort of scenario? Definitely. I mean, most of the clients um, that I've worked for and even during my, my previous employers within senior living I would say that many of the seniors that that lived in the retirement communities or that, you know, through my clients I worked with, they were all very civic minded. Um, and I think, quite frankly, when you look at things like the arts and theater and music, you know, again, when you're talking about some level of disposable income, 
seniors in a lot of cases are the ones helping keeping those programs afloat because they're the ones that are going to donate to those types of organizations, not only from a financial perspective, but then also their time. Um, we had uh, quite a few seniors who would volunteer uh, within the local school system. And, you know, even seniors, one of my clients, they had a group of, of women who would always knit hats and gloves for needy children in the local schools. So, I think a lot of times the um, value of that is underestimated and, you know, beyond just spending the time doing the volunteering, the knowledge that they bring from all of their careers and what they've done with their life as well is hugely beneficial to those that receive it. What advice would you give to an organization that perhaps is looking for either one to, to hire somebody in a particular area or bring them onto a board? Uh, why they should consider seniors. Now, you may have touched on some of this before, but that, I think, opens the door for people to at least put that into their decision-making process. What would you suggest that they do? I think that they need to look at it um, as an opportunity versus a handicap. So um, just, again, having worked for several organizations and having a lot of discussions with people, I think sometimes, you know, age um, on either end of the spectrum can be a challenge for hiring purposes. But I think if you can look at that as, like I said, as a positive rather than a handicap and, and don't bring that into the conversation, but look at it as the value and the expertise and the knowledge that's there. Um, now, I'm not saying every every person has that because you can be, you know, 100 years old and have made lots of dumb decisions in your life and you may not be the best person to be giving, you know, advice in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, the same is true. You know, you could also be 20 years old and have made a lot of dumb decisions um, and you probably shouldn't be giving a lot of advice on advice on things either. So, you know, I, I think that there's a balance there, but really looking at what that individual can bring to the table. I mean, at the outset, I'm not sure that you really want age to be an overt part of the conversation. I think a way to remove discrimination because of age is to not really have that enter into the equation, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the get-go at all. I, I think, again, you know, once you get to that place where obviously you you recognize, you know, somewhat um, what age that individual is, instead of looking at it, I think younger folks sometimes look at it as, well, it's a handicap because because they're not tech savvy or, you know, I'm going to have to help train them on X, Y, and Z. And I I think you just really have to look at what is the opportunity? What's the board? What's the particular, you know, job description that you're hiring for and recognize where their value and expertise can serve you. Well, Courtney, you have provided us some very, very good advice here and and information. Is there anything that we have not covered that you think that needs to be said? I think the, you know, the only thing that I would share a little bit about shattering some of the stereotypes and one great plug I'll give for AARP is that back in September, they actually launched a whole new collection of stock photos um, in a partnership with Getty Images that I think are much more genuine and authentic in terms of their uh, representation of the aging population. And um, I, I wish, I used to joke all the time how, you know, there was such lack of not only diversity, but just options for senior stock photography. I swore that I was going to just, I needed to create my own collection. Well, AARP beat me to it, um, but they've done a really beautiful job, you know, with it. And so I think that's a huge step. I mean, because 
honestly, Peter, when you would, if you were to Google search in any of those stock image engines, you would just, you, you would be shocked by probably some of the things that were there. Mm -hmm. And so now I think, again, it's starting to help change the conversation. It's also going to help equip marketers who are trying to reach, you know, senior audiences in a more authentic and engaging way. Um, so I, I did want to give a shout out to that because I think that's a huge, huge advancement in what's happening. Well, I certainly applaud you for the efforts that uh, you're making in terms of, of uh, your work uh, with the senior population and those who deal with the senior population or should be dealing with the senior population. So uh, Courtney Malengo, uh, founder of Buzz and Spark Communications in Gaithersburg, Maryland, thank you so very, very much for joining us here on the Public Relations Review. Thank you, Peter, for having me. It's been a pleasure. And to all of my listeners around the country and around the world, thank you for listening. And please join us again for the very next edition of the Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies, an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.